The Bible lesson for today is written in the first chapter of Mark, beginning with verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. The word of the Lord. Good morning. As Joe said, my name is Aaron, and it's my joy to get to share with you this morning. Happy New Year. I haven't gotten to be with you yet in 2020. I'm excited to be here in this new year. I'm also excited to be here as we continue in our open book series, and we are now into the Gospels. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm pretty excited to be out of the, new, the Old Testament. 
After about three or four months of preaching our way through the Old Testament and the story of God, I had a couple people in the congregation say to me, boy, you know, it'll be, I, I'm sort of getting worn down by all these Old Testament passages. And I said, you should try preaching. Um, I had to preach three weeks in a row on death. <laughs> because what we found as we studied the Old Testament, which, don't, don't get me wrong, is the Word of God, but it is, it is sort of the Word of God pointing us in a direction, in a direction that's difficult to have to sit with for so long. It, it invites us to reflect on a truth that we might otherwise like to ignore. What we found as we studied the Old Testament was that over and over and over again, God was faithful, but over and over and over again, the people of God were not. And their failures got bigger and even more extravagant as we got toward the end of the Old Testament. It's like things were descending into chaos as evil kings rose up and the people rebelled against God and the people were taken away into exile only to return and still to struggle to be faithful to their God. All of that, all of the Old Testament was pointing us to what we celebrated on Christmas Day. The need for a Savior to come into the world. And we've celebrated that that Savior came in Jesus Christ. And this morning, we begin our look at his public ministry. As he begins his public ministry after his baptism with these amazing acts of healing. It's appropriate that we're looking at healing at this time of year also. This is the beginning of a new year, and many of us believe that that magical turning of the calendar from 2019 to 2020 will bring about incredible change in our willpower and our lives, right? Rightly, we take this moment, this opportunity to look at our lives and to wonder, where is my life still broken? Where are the empty places? Where does sin still have more power over me than it ought to in my relationship with God? Where is my body suffering the effects of brokenness, and I want to see restoration and change. I was just at the gym yesterday, and the parking lot was twice as full as it was December 15th. Because this is the time of year where we say, this is when I'm going to get healthy. And rightfully so. We laugh about it and joke about our health, but health is something we were created for. God gave us bodies, and they are good to be used for good purposes, and yet they have been marred with sin and broken, and, and we suffer in our bodies, and we long for more there, don't we? our spiritual lives, our physical lives, but also our social lives. My small journal where I wrote down my goals for 2020 is full of many things about the way I want to love people more robustly this year, the relationships that I want to see mended and strengthened, the way I want to parent well in 2020, and I want to love my wife well in the midst of this year. My relationships also reflect the brokenness that sin breaks into the, brings into the world, and I long for God's healing touch in that area of my life too. So physically, spiritually, socially, we see the effects of sin in ourselves, the people around us, and the world in which we live, and we cry out this time of year for more and for better, don't we? But we usually look inward to our own willpower or outward to a special membership at a gym or a self-help book that we found. We find ourselves disappointed, but I'm going to encourage you that this year, let's look to the healer. Let's look to Jesus and see the way that when the Savior came into the world, when the kingdom of God broke into the world which was marred with sin, healing was in his hands. Healing followed in behind him. We're going to study this together, and this is a difficult topic because many of us have prayed prayers for God to do something miraculous, to bring healing in body, in mind, in spirit, in relationship, and we have not seen what we were hoping to see. And so we enter into this kind of fraught territory together. And I believe that the passage, the text this morning, gives us three ways that we can engage with God 
that we can call out for healing in this new year and experience more of what Jesus has for us while keeping our faith in him. The first thing I want to point you to, and it's in your notes if you're the kind of person that wants to fill out notes, I would encourage you to think about that this time. Maybe take these notes so that you have some guidance for your spiritual life, your practice this week. You'll also see that there's discussion questions in there. I see a lot of families in the room. Please talk about this on your way home. Parents, grandparents, take the opportunity to show your young people in your life that you take these things seriously. Take advantage of those resources. But the first thing I want to point out to you is this, that we see in the text a focus on the healer, not on the healing. This is kind of remarkable. Jesus shows up in the synagogue, and he's teaching, he's preaching, And the demon-possessed man comes and interacts with them, and there's this very dramatic moment that takes place. But I want to draw your attention to what happens in verses 27 and 28. After the moment of healing, after Jesus has been teaching, the people are discussing amongst themselves, and they're not like, whoa, did you see that guy that was like using us like Gollum from Lord of the Rings? Did you see what the demons came out of him? It was so amazing. No, look at what they say in verses 27 and 28. They say, wow, this man is teaching And with authority, even the impure spirits respond to him. The purpose of Jesus' miracles was not the deliverance, or at least not just the deliverance, of that individual in that moment in time. That man who was delivered from demon possession would go on to have other sicknesses. He would go on to die. Jesus had something much more important that he was in this world to do than just to heal people at one moment in time for them only to succumb to some other disease or some other ailment later on. Jesus broke into this world to do what the people of God could not do, to be faithful to God and to bring salvation, deliverance, restoration of all things and for all people. And so Jesus does these signs, these miracles, these healings in order that people would know and trust what was true about him. And I want you to think about what a remarkable truth it is that Mark, the writer of this text, is trying to point his readers to. He's saying this man who walked the earth like we walk the earth, this man who came and occupied space in an outpost in the Roman Empire that hardly anybody cared about or thought about, this man was God in human flesh. This is the purpose of the book of Mark. Mark is inviting readers, sending his book out, using it as an evangelistic method, inviting readers to discover as they read through the pages that what seems unbelievable is true, that God put on flesh and moved in among us in order to save and deliver us. And so over and over and over again, you'll see in the book of Mark this question of the identity of Christ. You'll see moments like we heard at the end of the text where Jesus says to the person, don't tell anyone what you experienced and saw because Jesus has a plan for how he's going to reveal himself to the world. But what does the man do? He runs and tells everyone, right? It's like this, this secret, this identity of Jesus that Mark is kind of keeping under wraps to reveal it in the moment of the cross and resurrection. That secret's bursting from the pages of the gospel of Mark. It's bursting out of the people who experience Jesus in their lives. Their focus is not on the healing, as amazing as it is, as much as that's what we all sometimes can get focused on and desire, and we would love to see something miraculous and unexplainable. It's not on the healing. It's on the healer. The sign acts, the miracles, the wonders all point to the authority, the identity of Christ. And it's that truth that Mark, it's that truth that Jesus is most interested in communicating to us. So as we engage with God as healer, 
this year, as we bring our brokenness to this healer, we cry out for healing, but we keep our eyes on the healer. The second thing I want to point out in the passage is kind of the well-roundedness of what Jesus does in this ministry of healing. I don't know about you, but I can struggle sometimes with this element of spiritual life. I find that my prayers just regularly get so small. One of those goals that maybe you made for the new year, one of them that I made for the new year, was to work on this in my prayer life. To let the the boundaries, the margins of what I expect God could do and what I pray and cry out for God to do, to be expanded. I recognized, was challenged by this last month, especially as I was going through Alpha with some others and was hearing stories of people's faithful prayer lives. And I realized there are people in my life who have been suffering for so long that I've just kind of assumed this is what's going to be. And I stopped calling out to my God to deliver my loved ones from the things that sin and brokenness have brought into their bodies and into their lives. And I was sort of brokenhearted by that realization. Heard stories of faithful people in the church who pray for an hour or two hours a day. And I think to myself, how could they pray for so long? I realize our world is full of well more than two hours worth of brokenness, right? These are just saints who believe that God can bring healing. And so they bring their friends, their loved ones, their church, their community, their leaders before the Lord that they believe can bring healing. I'm so convicted by that. I was just telling Joe before the service in response to thinking about this, I got myself a little journal that makes me write down prayers for all kinds of things. And I even find myself while writing them down, rolling my eyes like, does God really care about this little thing? I think we're going to see that the answer is yes. When Jesus breaks into the world, he takes time, he slows down in moments to bring healing and wholeness to people. And he does it in a number of ways. Not just those who are sick. Let me show you a few different ways and encourage you. The second thing I want to point out is that we don't diminish what the healer can do. This is what I've learned I do so often. Let me challenge you this year. Don't diminish what the healer can do. Don't allow the way that prayers have gone in the past to keep you from crying out for more of what God has for you, what he created for you and for your people and your community to experience. Don't diminish what the healer can do. Because what we see in the text is three different kinds of healing. We see an incredible physical healing in Mark 1, 29 to 31. Jesus goes to the home of one of the followers, and one of, uh, the mother-in-law of one of the followers is very sick. She has a fever, and she's in bed. And that day, there's not medicine and doctors that could deliver someone out of these kinds of things. This very well could have been a death sentence for this woman. And Jesus comes and just brings simple physical healing in a private space. But he brings deliverance from that oppression, that, that sickness, that evil in her life. He delivers her physically. Of course, that happens too with the person delivered from leprosy. We see so many miracles where Jesus heals those who can't walk. He heals those who can't see. He brings physical healing. And we're pretty good about praying for these things. I wonder, have any of you been to the um, prayer meetings that go on at a church and everybody starts out really earnest? Like, we got to pray. we got to cry out to God for more of what he can do. And almost every time, after like four to six weeks, the only prayers you hear is like, My nephew's cousin's second brother's dog has a kidney problem. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, People talk about these prayer meetings turning into organ recitals, where it's just various organs of people's bodies being said out loud that aren't working anymore. And you can start to believe that the best God has for us is to slowly push back on the natural effects of aging, right? So there's, there's some 
uh, obstacle here. There's some tension here I want to get into, which is we, we do rightly cry out for God to bring physical healing. Every week we pray for those who are sick and are hurting and are hospital, and rightly so. When Jesus breaks into the world, he brings physical healing. But one of the ways we can diminish what the healer can do is by getting too fixated on God just curing those small things in our bodies and in our lives. And many of us live lives in a community where we have access to medicine and health care that I haven't been to the doctor in like two years. I mean, I probably should have gone a couple times, but I'm a guy, so that's how we handle that stuff. And, and so if all God wanted to do was bring physical healing, I could be tempted to think, I'm fine. I could go to an organ recital, organ recital prayer gathering and say nothing, because if that's all that God wants to do, I'm good. But I am not good. There are things in my life that need God's healing touch, and praise God, he intends to do more than just delay the natural effects of aging and sickness in our lives. He does bring healing. He does bring miraculous touches into our lives, but he does so much more than just heal our bodies. We see this in Mark 1, 32 to 34, where he's delivering people from impure spirits. He's delivering people from demon possession. In other parts of Scripture, we see Jesus start attaching the forgiveness of sins alongside physical healing. We discover that some of what Jesus intends to do, some of what he brings, is spiritual healing. And this is where I I desire for every prayer group that I'm a part of, for a small group that I would join into, that this is the piece that I most want to talk about because this is where I know I have so much more, so much more that God could do. There's sin still in my life that God could break the power of and deliver me from, from these things that I fall back into again and again. I know that there's a depth of intimacy with God that is still out there that I desire more of. And that, that brokenness in that relationship with God is not on God's end, it's on my end. And so I can cry out for more spiritual healing. This year, don't diminish God's ability by just praying for physical healing. Pray for those spiritual things in your life for sins from which you need to be delivered, for depth in your relationship with God, for the power, the discipline to practice the kinds of things we know lead to a rich spiritual life. It's hard to just remember to pray in the morning or to read some scripture. I almost overslept for work the other day because I woke up and thought, I'm going to pray first thing. And then because I didn't get out of bed before I started praying, I fell back asleep. And I woke up to my alarm clock not going off, and I scrambled on my way to work and threw on a sweatshirt so nobody would know I didn't shower that morning. Just praying in the morning, just handling these basic spiritual practices, that alone is often more than in my sinfulness I can handle. And so I can cry out for spiritual healing, for God to bring power, discipline, grace, such that I could even have the kind of relationship with him he created me to have. Jesus does this work when he walks this earth, and by his spirit he does this work for me, and he can do that work for you. So cry out for physical healing, but also for spiritual healing. And then the third kind that I think maybe we think about the least, but Jesus does maybe as much as any of the rest of these, is social healing. In the text in verses 40 to 45, we hear of a man with leprosy who comes and falls before Jesus and says, Lord, if you're willing, would you heal me? Would you take away this disease? And it says in the text that Jesus was indignant or sometimes compassionate, which is like the opposite of indignant. So it's one of those things where the word there is tricky. But Jesus chooses to respond to this man's faith. And he cures him of leprosy, which is a physical healing, but it's important to recognize that the leprosy not only brought a pain into his life, itchiness of skin and discomfort, it would have meant that this man was a total social outcast. He runs and tells everyone in his life that he has been cured of leprosy. Why? Why? Because now he can go into a home 
of a friend or a neighbor of a family member. He can walk into the temple. He can enter back into the town that he would have been ostracized from. Jesus doesn't just restore this man's body. He restores this man to community. We'll see this again in a few weeks when we see the healing of the woman with the problem of bleeding, who for 12 years would have been a social and spiritual outcast in her community. In smaller, less miraculous ways, we see this kind of social healing as Jesus draws people to the table with him. Over and over and over again, the most common story or kind of story we hear across all four Gospels are table stories, where Jesus gathers at tables with people that nobody expected him to gather with. And he is constantly making space in these table fellowships and gatherings for those who are on the edges and the margins of society. Because Jesus came to bring healing into our social lives, our social status. He heals people's identities. He draws them back into community. And so I pray that this would be a place where you and where I would experience that kind of social transformation. Where we would be able to experience love and the family of God. That we would also be, as Pastor Steve is fond of saying, the kind of people who gather together weekly in a family reunion where there's always room at the table for more people. And not just more people who are already like us or the more people that we enjoy being around, but the people in our communities who are far away from God, who are far away from the center of the society in which we live. So this kind of social healing is why this morning you're going to hear about two things a lot in announcements and opportunities to follow an obedience to God coming out of this service. One is the work that Sun Ministries is doing to help those who are hurting, who are on the edges of our community, who don't have food to eat, who don't know how to speak the language that is most commonly spoken in our country. It helps them find their way into this community, to, to weave them back into the fabric of our community. That's social healing. We also have the opportunity to enter into small groups. So many people in our church come to worship on Sunday morning and and don't have anywhere else that they're connecting to the family of God. Don't settle for that this year. Take the opportunity that God has put before you for social healing to enter into a group. It might be awkward at first, uncomfortable and difficult, but we can discover that God wants to heal our loneliness and our isolation along with our spiritual lives, along with our bodies. And we pray for these things for those around us, for our friends, our family, our community, our country, and people across the world who will never meet, to receive physical and spiritual and social healing. Don't diminish what the healer can do. Experience the fullness of what the Holy Spirit, working because of what Jesus has accomplished in your life, can accomplish. Jesus has so much more for us each and every year. This year, cry out for more of what he has for you. We also have to talk about something in the text that's really kind of disturbing. The third thing I want to point out to you is this. We learn to trust when the healer says no. I think it's fascinating that we see in the story three healings, three incredible miracles. Jesus casts out demons and he cures fevers and all these people come from all over town. It says in the text that the whole town comes to him and he's casting out demons. He's performing many miracles. People then have to wait a day because the Sabbath comes and they know that they shouldn't come for healing on the holy day of the Lord. So they wait, they rest. And then people are lined up out the door outside of the home where Jesus has been. The whole town is there. They've gathered all the sick and the hurting. There are people who are suffering from leprosy people who can't see, people who can't walk, people who are dying. There are people who are far from God in their spiritual lives and living lives of incredible sin. There are people who are on the margins of society. They're all there. They're lined up outside the house and they're wondering if the healer's home. The disciples wake up that morning. 
They look outside and they see all the people and they're so excited. Like, we followed the right guy. This is catching on. And then they look around and the healer's gone. And Jesus has gone out to a solitary place. And there's all these people waiting to be healed. And the answer is going to be no. The disciples run to Jesus and they say, Lord, there's all these people back there waiting for you for healing. What are you doing out here? Come on, we got to go back. And Jesus says, no, we need to go on to the next town. For this is why I have come. I want you to consider for a moment. What if Jesus had, in Mark chapter 1, just stayed put? And what if the totality of Jesus' ministry had just been to heal the sick and hurting who were brought to the home where he was, and he spent 30 more years of ministry just healing people who would then go on to still age, to still suffer, to still die? What a terrible plan that would have been. Now, thank God that Jesus said no to some healings and went on to do that for which he had come, to go on to to Jerusalem, to enter on a donkey's back into the city, to be proclaimed the king of the Jews only to be nailed to a cross, to suffer and to die, not because of his own sin, but because of yours and mine, to be placed into a grave, and then miracle of all miracles, to be raised up from the dead. Thank God Jesus said no to some people who were waiting for a miracle so he could go on to bring salvation, forgiveness, and restoration for the whole of creation and for all people who respond to God in faith. Thank God that sometimes the healer says no. That can be incredibly hard for us. In prayers I've prayed and heard no so many times, I stop praying. But I'm learning to keep calling out, to have enough faith to believe, to trust that the healer can still bring healing, and also to have enough faith to trust that when the healer's not doing what I expect, what I want, what I desire, even when I don't understand what the healer is doing, he's got it, and he's working and he's delivering. Thank God, sometimes the healer says no, so he can bring the salvation for which all of us long. Amen. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would strengthen us in our prayer lives, in our crying out to you this year. I pray that we would focus on you, that we would expand the boundaries and the edges of those things for which we have prayed, but then also, Lord, that we would trust you when you don't seem to be home, that you are working for our good, for your glory, for the salvation of all people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.